Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 289 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you are watching me live. And we always remind you, please make sure you're subscribed and you click that notification bell so you never miss a live episode of the show. Of course, the audio pod goes out on podcast platforms across the world on my uh, handle, Montero Unboxing. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure that you leave ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. It helps us out. The fee for this show, everybody, it's simple. It's non-monetary. I always ask you guys to just share the show, all right? Every episode, send it to one of your friends. Send it to a different person. Post it on your, your Facebook, your IG, your TikTok, whatever the hell that is. I still don't get TikTok. Just share the show, man. And uh, if you're watching right now live on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Go ahead and punch that thumbs up button. Let's get those numbers up. All right, guys. Uh, this is TNC 289 for the week of November 13th. All right. Much to discuss. So I see a couple of you have already jumped on the phones. As I always ask you, please let me get through my spiel a little bit before you jump on the phone. All right. Um, we'll definitely, I'm sure we're going to have plenty of calls later on in the show. I'm going to try to get through what I got to get through quickly so we can get right to it. All right. Um, cool. Not a whole lot news and notes, but we'll jump into this real quick. So it's kind of an incomplete news and notes. Uh, Virgil Ortiz is apparently leaving, splitting with uh, RGBA, Robert Garcia Boxing Academy. And the rumor, per Mike Coppinger, was that he was going to go with Eddie Reynoso and be with Team Canelo. But apparently, per Virgil Ortiz, junior and senior, that has not been confirmed yet. So he is looking for a new trainer. He's had two trainers so far, right? Joel Diaz, Robert Garcia. He's looking for a new look. So we'll find out what happens. Unless I'm missing something, uh, I haven't caught up on all my emails and messages today unless something was confirmed today. As far as I know, he is not uh, signed officially with any new trainer. So we'll keep you posted on that. But I feel like this was you know, a newsworthy item because Virgil Ortiz is one of the top young I would say contenders now. He's, he's no longer a prospect. He's really a contender in all of boxing. And it's going to be interesting to see who he ends up with, man. Um, it'll definitely, um, he, you know, if he does go with Reynoso, I do think that would be a good look. And I think that him working with Canelo, if you're working with the pound for pound number one guy in the world, that can only be a good thing. So I think that'd be a good move. But you don't know. I mean, there's several different options, and you could go a couple different directions. We shall see. All right, let's jump right into the, <clears throat> into the review. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to cover, all right? So uh, Friday, November 5th, ESPN Plus uh, – I'm sorry, ESPN. Michaela Mayer improves to 60-0 with five knockouts. Unanimous decision win over Maiva Hamadouche. Unifies the IBF and WBO – junior lightweight titles. Now, I told you guys last week on TNC that she was going to win this fight. A couple of you were convinced that not only was Hamadouche going to win, but she was going to win by knockout. That didn't quite happen. And, and look, top rank knows what they're doing most of the time when they build up their fighters. And this, it's not like this was a, a voluntary defense or, or, I'm sorry, a mandatory defense or a fight that Mayer had to take. Mikela Mayer's team and top rank, everybody involved, saw this as an opportunity to, to unify titles. They saw something in the, the French woman that they liked. She's a lot older. She's a lot shorter. Uh, arms, a lot smaller, shorter. And she punches hard, but she punches hard against domestic French opposition. 
She fought, pursued once and got beat. I figured against Michaela Mayer, she would get beat. Now, the scorecards were too wide. The scorecards were like pretty much they had this thing a shutout. Now, that was too much, okay? But I thought Michaela Mayer won the fight, but it was more of like a 96, 94. Maybe you could go 97, 93, but this was a close fight. Uh, according to CompuBox, everybody's favorite, Mayer landed 239 punches and Amadouche landed 233. So on the surface, a lot of you might look at this and think, man, that's an even fight based off punch numbers. But here's the thing. Mayer landed 40% of her punches. Amadouche landed 27%. And body punches. Mayer landed 78 body punches to only 13 for Amadouche, which it is kind of kind of interesting because you figure the quote-unquote puncher Right, we, we try to get inside and, and work the body, and then chop up top, <clears throat> kind of like what Canelo Alvarez did this uh, weekend against Caleb Plant, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But she didn't do that. So, um, look, I know you guys, everyone's shits on punch numbers, but sometimes you got to bring them up. I, again, I thought Michaela Mira won this fight. Uh, okay, so now in the same division, Mira's got two belts. There's Terry Harper who has the WBC. She has a, a good fight that she's going up uh, a good opponent that she's facing on November 13th, Alicia Bumgarner. That's going to be a good fight. And uh, that's a real challenge for her. So she's got the WBC and then uh, South Korea's uh, Hyun Mi Choi has the WBA fight. So there are options there. There are options galore for top rank and Michaela Mayer. Uh, should it be Harper? You know, should she defend her title? Uh, you know, Mayer can maybe go overseas and fight Harper. Um, Perhaps Harper would come here, but I think it'd actually be more beneficial to travel and fight Harper overseas. And then Choi, she's already come to the United States once. I'm sure she'd come back. Uh, she'll definitely be coming back in the future. And uh, Mayor and, and her would, would be a, a good unification fight. Also, just five pounds north, there's Katie Taylor, the number one pound-for-pound pound female fighter in boxing right now. So there are definitely options. There are things lined up for Michaela Mayer in the future. Um, it's interesting because Michaela Mayer, to me, this is just me talking, okay? Her personality is not that different from uh, from Clarissa Shields in certain respects. To me, Mayer comes off a little arrogant and delusional sometimes and just has an off-putting kind of personality. I'm not a huge fan, okay? The difference, and I'm not trying to compare them, okay, because I do think Shields is way more delusional and, and way more abrasive. But Mayor, Michaela Mayer can kind of be abrasive on Twitter and in person and with the media and just comes off a little cocky and arrogant. Um, so some people, you know, some people are fans. Some people, though, don't care for the personality. It doesn't really matter, though, in the end because she has opponents. And that's the difference for Michaela Mayer and Clarissa Shields. Just like Clarissa Shields, Michaela Mayer really doesn't, hurt girls. She doesn't really knock girls out. She technically has five stoppages in 16 fights, but it's not like those stoppages were one punch KOs or anything like that. Uh, Mary has shown she's got that dog in her and everything, but her personality may be off-putting to some people, whatever, abrasive. But again, she's got opponents. All the, the three names I just mentioned for you guys, all three of those are interesting, especially maybe a super fight a year or two from now against Katie Taylor at 135. That's a big fight, especially if Mayor would be willing to travel overseas. All right, enough of that. That was Friday, Saturday, November 6th at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. 
Showtime pay-per-view. No reason to really talk about the undercard. Let's just get right to the main event. Saul Canelo Alvarez scores the KO 11 win over Caleb Plant, takes his O, takes his title, completely unifies the 168-pound division. Scores were uh, 98, 92, 97, 93, and 96, 94 at the time of the stoppage, right? So those scores were 10 rounds through. So we had entered the championship rounds. Now, look, <clears throat> some of my calls have been bad recently, but last week I was pretty on point. I told you guys Mayor would win on points. I told you guys that uh, Alvarez and Plant bet the over. It's going to go rounds. Plant's going to do better than some of you out there think he will. Probably going to end up doing better than Smith and Saunders in some regards. And uh, it's maybe possibly going the distance, likely going the distance, but possibly a late stoppage. That was my pick. And this fight kind of, I really wasn't that surprised. What was interesting to me was the reaction, you know, and, and Canelo now, he's the top guy in the sport, right? He's the number one money man, but he's also the number one um, just brand, right? He, he brings the money. Uh, sells tickets, sells pay-per-views, and we'll find out what this pay-per-view did. It was going up against a big UFC show. That remains to be seen. But um, he was he's the guy. He's the top guy, right? So when you're the top guy, you get all the accolades. You get all the attention. You also get a lot of criticism and haters and all that. So Canelo's this very polarizing figure right now on boxing Twitter and boxing Instagram and all that good stuff, right? So pretty much anything you tweet or say about him, half of the people are going to think, oh, that's spot on. And half of the people are going to think, you're an asshole. I hate you. You should get canceled. And that's pretty much what happened to me with every tweet I posted this weekend. But it was interesting. It, it, by the way, uh, for those of you who who uh, are just jumping here onto the show, uh, welcome. Please hit the thumbs up button. All right. If you're just getting on, I see a bunch of you just joined live here. Um, if you haven't gone over to my channel uh, Sunday, Yesterday, right after, you know, it was because was the fight pretty much ended Sunday morning. So yesterday I did a quick reaction video and just gave some immediate thoughts after the fight. That's on my channel, Montero Unboxing. It's like 12 minutes, I think. Go check that out. Because I lay out some things that I think uh, some people might be overlooking. Uh, I'll hit on some of it here, but I don't want to like beat a dead horse. All right. Um, but just I invite you to go check out that video. I think you guys will enjoy that. It's only like uh, 12, 13 minutes long. Okay. But one of the things I talk about in the video is I was really surprised, man, 10 rounds through this fight. A lot of people on my Twitter timeline either had this fight even after 10 rounds or had Caleb plant winning. That was really, really surprising to me. Really surprising. Um, I think there, there was a couple things happening. Now, now, look, some people are just Canelo haters and they want to see him lose. I'm not even talking about those people, okay? Just dismiss them. I'm talking about reasonable people that normally do a pretty good job scoring fights, people whose Twitter accounts I follow and interact with, and I'm like, damn, dude, you really had plant winning? You know, people that I actually trust and, and look up to. Uh, some people had plant winning. That, to me, um, again, a couple things. I think Plant was doing better than some of you expected. Some of you expected this to be an absolute annihilation by Canelo Alvarez. And when it wasn't, when it was competitive, close and competitive early on, um, that surprised some of you. And I think maybe you did a little makeup scoring or, or I, I don't know, uh, handicap scoring in Plant's favor. I think if you watch the fight a second time, a third time, you might see things a little more from my perspective and the official judge's perspective, where I thought Caleb Plant at most 
won three rounds of this fight and they were in the, within the first four or five rounds. Um, I, I, I think going into the 11th round, I had it like 98, 92 for Canelo could see 97, 93, but I don't know how you give more than three rounds to plant. And a lot of people were talking about plants jab early on. Okay. And this is what I talk about in the other video that I'd like you guys to check out on my channel. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about it here. Again, I don't want to say everything I already said in that one video, but not all jabs are created equal. And I want to be clear. The jab is the most important punch in boxing. It truly is. It transcends every weight class and everything. If you have a really good jab, you could be dominant in this sport. Okay. It's, it is the most powerful punch in boxing. It is the place setter for everything else that you do. However, not all jabs are created equal. When I think of fighters that dominate off the jab, you literally stop a fighter, you stop your opponent in their tracks. You don't just snap their head back. You snap their whole body back, their weight back on their heels. You force them to reset. You get a shot off, and then you're over here to the side. So if you land a hard jab on me, right, it doesn't even have to be hard. It could be a medium, medium power, but if you place it accurately and the timing is on point right when i'm stepping in not only are you landing that jab straight on and then getting off to the side and and forcing me to reset i'm also off balance so a really good fighter with a really strong jab knocks their opponent off balance keeps them off balance throughout the entire round uh disrupts their rhythm right and uh knocks them back right? Forces them to reset. So if, if I'm in the middle of an athletic movement and you nail me with a good hard jab or a well-placed accurate jab, I have to restart my athletic movement, right? I'm not talking about taking a half step, eating a little pity pat jab and doing a little half step right afterwards. That's not the same thing. What Caleb Plant's jab was doing early on in the fight, and I give him credit for this, it was establishing his length and he was keeping his his distance he was keeping canelo at a distance the first three rounds or so canelo was not able to come in and just pin him to the ropes and work the body and get off right plant was keeping him at keeping him at bay touching him enough keeping him at bay and then when he did get pinned on the ropes he'd slip a couple of shots he'd catch a few shots mostly caught shots he didn't slip a whole lot and get out right and early on that worked. But if you watched really closely by truly by the fourth round, Canelo would cut the distance because he was facing almost no power coming in. And the jab was pretty much, pretty much the same timing, pretty much the same rhythm every time. Once he figured that out, man, by the fourth round, he had cut a few inches off that jab, a few inches off the distance. And he was already getting plant on the ropes and shooting those uh, left uh, left hooks up top, those looping right hands, and then it was opening up body shots. And, and when Plant would slide off on the ropes, Canelo would just loop with a body shot, and he'd get it in there. And that was opening up the uppercut. And I saw people on Twitter saying that Canelo's knockout bailed him out because he was behind in the fight. The knockout bailed him out. I have no idea what the hell you guys were watching. Canelo was setting up that knockout early on in the fight. And it was actually Eddie Reynoso who was telling him, just be patient and stick with this game plan. Keep doing what you're doing. He's breaking down. And Canelo a few times was getting um, frustrated because he wasn't always landing very clean. 
And it was frustrating. I mean, you could visibly see the frustration on Canelo. But I think some of you guys mistook that, maybe, for Canelo losing the round. If you look at who was doing the better work and the more damage, most of the time that was Canelo. This wasn't a domination. He didn't absolutely destroy the guy. This wasn't Canelo versus Rocky Fielding or Canelo versus Avni Yildirim. It wasn't even Canelo versus Callum Smith, although Callum Smith was able to, to last the distance. Um, but, but, you know, Plant did do some things well, but what Plant mostly did well was avoid getting hit clean, okay? He stayed away, he played defense, and he avoided getting hit really clean upstairs. He did get hit real clean to the body, a lot. But he, he caught a lot of the punches that were up at his head some of the hooks slid off the glove and hit the top of his head, but he, he caught most of it, right? He absorbed most of it with his gloves. That's cool, but that ain't going to win you the round. You also have to hurt your opponent back. You have to land punches back, and you have to land punches that matter. And every round in this fight, the guy coming forward after the first two or three rounds, okay, the guy coming forward, the guy throwing the hard punches, even if the punches were partially blocked, Canelo's big shots up top would move Caleb Plant. His body punches would move Caleb Plant. What did I talk about just a minute ago? Knocking a fighter off balance, uh, stopping a fighter in their tracks, knocking them back on their heels, right? It was Canelo doing that to Plant, not the other way around. Even the shots that Plant was catching with his gloves were still moving them. And when Plant would touch Canelo, Canelo just went up into a high guard and just plowed through. There was really not that much resistance. And I'm sorry, you can't win rounds like that. Now, if one guy is throwing 20 punches around and landing five, and the other guy is throwing 80 punches around and landing 20, even if the one guy who landed five, if he's throwing way, way harder, I'm probably still going to give the round to the guy who landed 20 punches because he's just outworking the other dude, right? But that's not what was going on here. The punch numbers were pretty close. Plant was landing more jabs, but the power punches up top and the power punches to the body, Canelo was winning. And when it came to landed body punches, I want to say Canelo landed more than five times the amount of body punches in this fight than Plant did. So not only did he win the body punching category, he dominated it. Canelo landed more body, or I'm sorry, power punches, period. And his power punches had way more impact. So even though Plant won the battle of the jab, this wasn't a Gennady Golovkin jab. Go back and watch Canelo's fights with Gennady Golovkin. And I'm sorry, I know some of you guys are going to be like, Jesus, Mike, do you always have to bring up Gennady Golovkin when you talk about Canelo Alvarez? I bring him up because outside of Floyd Mayweather, he's the only other guy to beat Canelo Alvarez. Sorry, Canelo fans. But that's the, that's the reality. The first fight... Almost universally, people agree, Triple G won, okay? And how did he do that? Look at the jab, and look how the jab set everything else up that Golovkin did. Canelo couldn't just go into a high guard and walk down Golovkin in that fight. He, he was on the ropes. He was backing up. He was moving backward in that fight, okay? So that's not what was happening here. So I, I mentioned all this because I think a lot of you guys, again, you're kind of grading on a curve with Caleb Plant. And um, maybe he did better than you thought. He didn't do better than I thought. I expected this kind of a fight. I really did. Go back and watch my breakdown. Go back and watch this show two months ago. 
when I was talking about this fight and saying this plant, this fight is going to be more competitive than you guys think. Plant's going to do better than the other guys have done. He did slightly better, slightly better, not that much better. Did he really do better than Billy Joe Saunders? Billy Joe Saunders at moments in his fight with Canelo actually backed Canelo up. He actually stopped Canelo in his tracks a couple of times when he did land. So in spots, Billy Joe Saunders actually did better than Caleb Plant. Now, overall, maybe Caleb Plant did better because he avoided the big punches. But the big punches still got through in the end, and he still got stopped. So anyway, where does this leave Canelo Alvarez now? Um, well, pound for pound, we know he's number one. If you don't have Canelo Alvarez pound for pound number one right now, I think that you're just kind of being a hater, right? Um, it, it, granted, I, I get it, guys. There is the computer all thing. There, there is the fact that he's uh, he has benefited from opportunistic matchmaking. He's basically the new Floyd Mayweather in that regard. A lot of people, the casual boxing fan, looks at the who when they look at a fighter's resume. They don't look at the what, when, where, and why. There's the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. All those things matter when we're evaluating a fighter, not only when they're currently fighting and active, you know, amongst their peers, but then once they retire and how we rate them against the, the all-time greats from all of boxing history. You got to break down all the five whys, not just the first one. But increasingly in this era, casual sports fans, civilians as I call them, are very, very easy to manipulate and fool with the who. You just put the name on there. You put the name and a flashy little statistic next to it. So you put the name and he's undefeated. You put the name, he has a world title, right? Right now they're marketing Javante Davis as a five-time world champion. To people that really understand boxing, that's laughable. That's laughable. He's never even been a true champion. One of his titles, one of them, was a legit world title win, and he had some defenses, I believe. That's when he beat Pedraza. That's it. The rest of his titles are complete smoke and mirrors, right? Five-time champion, they're calling Tank Davis. And if you argue this with Tank Davis fans, they throw a fit. They're like, oh, my God, you're just a hater, blah, 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 right? And Canelo learned from the Floyd Mayweather fight because he was – now, now, look, Canelo asked for it. He called out Floyd. He wanted that challenge, right, and everything else. And from a marketing standpoint and a branding standpoint, I understand why him and his team went after that fight. And Floyd just responded to the challenge and did his thing. I understand it, okay? But Canelo learned way, way more about the business of boxing in that experience with Floyd than he did any technical inside-the-ring stuff with Floyd. Because if you look at him right after the fight with Floyd, he wasn't that much better. The improvements, the technical stuff inside the ring, that took years to develop, years after he fought Floyd. That fight was in, what, 2012, 2013, right? Almost a decade ago now. So it took years for Canelo to improve. But business-wise, he immediately learned, right? And so this whole super middleweight run right now, it's a Floyd Mayweather special. So that's going to upset and trigger a lot of you. And that's, I'm, I'm good at triggering people. But the reason why I'm triggering you, the reason why you're getting upset is because you know there's truth in what I'm saying. If you thought what I was saying was just ridiculous, oh, I'm, I'm just crazy, you would just laugh. But you get mad 
and you, oh, you're this, you start throwing out labels and insults because you know I'm onto something. And by the way, I say all this, Canelo's super middleweight run is Floyd Mayweather 2.0. It's Floyd's run at 47 and 54 all over again. I say all this. And I add that Canelo is the number one pound for pound fighter in boxing right now. And when Floyd was doing his thing, the opportunistic matchmaking, the manipulation of casual sports fans and gullible sports fans, he was the pound for pound number one guy too when he was doing that. That's the benefits in this era of being the top dog. You can pull those strings. So I recognize that Canelo is the pound for pound number one guy. But all this talk of history, and he's among the greats. He might be the best Mexican fighter ever. Everyone pump the fucking brakes a little bit. Because let's speak truth. Let's speak truth. Yeah, okay. Here's, here's Canelo's super middleweight run, okay? Uh, December of 2018, Rocky Fielding. December of 2020, uh, Callum Smith. This February, Avni Yildirim. This May, Billy Joe Saunders. This November, Caleb Plant. And by the way, all of the non-American fighters there traveled here to fight Canelo. So Canelo fought in his adopted backyard. Now he fought in a couple of different states, whatever. But, uh, you know, he was fighting in the United States as the North American-based fighter. So let me ask you guys, is beating Fielding, Smith, Yildirim, Saunders, and Plant all-time great level? Is that, are those all-time great level opponents? I don't think those opponents are on par with who Andre Ward beat as a super middleweight champion. I don't think they're on par with who Joe Calzaghe beat as a super middleweight champion. Hell, I think Roy Jones Jr., who spent a very brief time at super middleweight, his win over James Tony at 168 trumps Canelo's entire resume at 168. The most impressive part of Canelo's resume at super middleweight is the four fights in 11 months, okay? Fighting Smith, Yildirim, Saunders, Plant, Plant within a year. That's the most impressive part to me. I give Canelo Alvarez tremendous credit for that because no fighter in this era has done that. Hell, Floyd never did that. Oscar De La Hoya did. But Floyd, the last big guy, and Pacquiao, they never did that. So Canelo just did something unprecedented, something we haven't seen since Oscar De La Hoya did it when he was the top big star in the sport. Because uh, I, think, I think Oscar fought five times within a calendar year. So for Canelo to do that and do that in, after the COVID pandemic and, and all the complications that come with that, super impressive, deserves kudos. That's the most impressive part to me of this whole thing. But some of you guys out there get enchanted and bewitched and be dazzled by titles or by numbers, by records, right? Um, today I tweeted out, I, I've, I swear, I've, I've had, over the last three or four days, I've had a, a tweet each day that went viral and triggered the fuck out of people. People that are just easy to dupe. I, I actually, um, I can't remember which day it was, Friday or Saturday, where I said that I scored uh, the first Canelo Triple G fight for Canelo 118 to 110. To anyone who knows anything about me in my history, okay, you know I'm trolling and you know who I'm trolling and what I'm trolling about. And the whole incident with Bob Bennett, the whole nine, right? But hundreds of people, hundreds saw that tweet and took it literally 
and shit down my throat. It's hilarious. Anyway, I tweeted today, just a reminder that when Canelo fought Mayweather, he was 23. Mayweather was 36. Okay, so it's not like Mayweather was a spring chicken, but Floyd is a fighter who aged well because of the things he did outside the ring to preserve his body. I'll just leave it there. And he didn't fight a whole lot. And his style was such where he didn't take a lot of punishment. And he was a gym rat. He lived in the gym 24-7. He didn't blow up in weight or anything like that. So in that fight, Mayweather at 36 was closer to his prime than Canelo was at 23, if you really think about it. Because Canelo right now is, what, 31? And this is his prime. He just hit his prime in the last two or three years. So Floyd was actually closer to his prime. He was on the tail end of it. But Canelo was a spring chicken, right? But I tweet that out, guys, and there are people go, well, Canelo had over 40 pro fights. Canelo was a champion, unified. Look who he fought. It doesn't matter. Jake Paul is an undefeated boxer, a pay-per-view star. He sells over a million pay-per-views. Uh, when he, he could fight me, and he would do over a million buys. Does that mean he's a pound-for-pound star? Does that mean that we should rate him right up there with Canelo? Because he probably would outsell Canelo in pay-per-view. I, yeah, actually would. Jake Paul, the pay-per-view earlier this year that did over a million buys. Does anyone in their right mind think that Canelo's fight with Plant just did a million buys? So in terms of economic muscle, Jake Paul is the top man in the sport right now, at least in America. It's, it, it, that hurts. Coming out of my mouth, that hurts. But numbers can be manipulated. So... I just I say all this, guys, because there's this there's this full circle thing with Canelo, and he has become this divisive figure. And like any other fighter, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some up, there's some down. There's um, a little bit of luck. There's maybe a little bit of cheating and shadiness. Every great fighter has all of these elements, right? But again, to me, the most impressive thing Canelo is doing right now is he really is single handedly carrying the sport by fighting four times in a calendar year. And that should be applauded. I saw a bunch of you just jump on the chat here live. Um, make sure you hit the thumbs up button, all right? And uh, to those of you who just got on the show, I'd like to invite you to watch a video I did breaking down the Canelo plant fight uh, in detail over on my channel, Montero Unboxing, where I talk about some of the specifics with the punches and how uh, Canelo's punches meant so much more and why they meant so much more in the fight and why he truly was ahead eight rounds to two, seven rounds to three at the time of the stoppage. That fight was competitive, but not necessarily close. Two very different things. All right. Um, so in my opinion, and I tweeted this out too, Canelo is already, based on what he just did over the past year, and again, this is the most impressive part, he's already a top five super middleweight. Just based on accomplishments, I'm not even talking about head-to-head, Okay. So with all the positive and negative and everything in between that I'm talking about with Canelo, I want to make sure that I hit on the positive stuff because there's a lot of positives. He's a top five super middleweight. Now, it doesn't really matter where the hell you want to rate him. That's fine as long as you don't put him at number one because he's not. He's a top five, but I can't rate him above Andre Ward, whose win over Carl Frotch is better than any of Canelo's wins at 68. I can't rate him over Calzaghi, whose win over Kessler which is really underrated underrated in the United States, that blows away any of Canelo's wins, okay, at 168. So I can't rate him up there with those guys. 
but he's in the top five. And to already be in the top five. Now, super middleweight is a young division, and it has mostly been dominated by European fighters. And that's why for a long time, there was a, an attitude among American fans and even American media that kind of disrespected the division. They kind of looked at it like cruiserweight in a lot of ways. But when Roy Jones, when Roy Jones and, and James Tony briefly fought there, the division was maybe a decade old or so. It wasn't very old. In fact, super middleweight, it might be even younger than cruiserweight. Don't quote me on that, but it might even be a younger division than cruiserweight. So it, it was a division that was seen as kind of a joke for a while. But now there's some real legitimacy to it. We've had some really great fighters who not only kind of just parked there for a while in between you know, middleweight and like heavyweight, but guys who really built something there. Like Kalzagi spent the bulk of his career there. Andre Ward spent the bulk of his career there. Both of those guys went on to become the legitimate light heavyweight champion. So, I mean, those are definitely Hall of Fame level fighters, right? Do I put Canelo up there with those guys quite yet? No, I, not, at least not at 168, okay? I just, I just don't. And I've given my reasons. And I don't think that is me hating on Canelo. And my example earlier with Floyd, when he fought Canelo, that wasn't hating on Floyd. It's just, guys, these things are complex. There, there's, um, there's a lot of elements to it. It's, it's not all just um, title belts won and your, your record. It's, again, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. All five of the W's, I, said, I think I said five Y's earlier, all the five W's matter, right? And a lot of you guys just focus on the who, but there's all those other elements too. Okay, let's get into... Actually, you know what? I think I had a super chat here. Where is it at? Let me find it. Uh, there it is for my man, CJ. What's up, my brother? Thank you so much. He says, Roy Jones Jr. went 12-0, 10 KOs as a 168 fighter. Better accomplishment, Nello, but fighters don't hold a candle to Ward, Super 6, or Calzaghe, Kessler, Lacey, Eubank. Exactly. It's not that difficult, people. What CJ just said there was straight facts, right? Um, so, so Canelo got the hardware, right? But those other fighters CJ mentioned and that I mentioned overall had better resumes. They beat better fighters. They fought in better eras. In fact, when I look at this, this run at super middleweight by Canelo, I actually rate Terrence Crawford's run at 140 as being equal to this, maybe even better. Because Terrence Crawford's win over Victor Postal, I do think gets underrated, undervalued. And Postal's definitely better than any of the guys that Canelo fought recently at 68. And then there was a couple other wins Crawford had that were kind of on par with the Callum Smiths of the world and people like that. Uh, so Crawford's run at 140, kind of right there in the same level as Canelo's run at 168. And I know a lot of you hate on Crawford's run at 140. That's why I bring that example up. All right, the, the context matters. Uh, the guys that Taylor, Josh Taylor just fought at 140 are definitely better than the guys Terrence Crawford beat at 140. So both of them became undisputed, but I rate Taylor's run at 140 as superior to that of Crawford's. Now I think Crawford's a better fighter, pound for pound, I'm talking about their run at 140, right? 
So right now I rate Crawford higher. We don't know what's going to happen years from now. Who knows? Eventually those two will fight and they'll sort it out, I think. So I just want to put it in perspective. It's the same way I see Calzaghe and Ward. I rate their run at 168. It's just more impressive than Canelo's. And I should mention, a lot of people don't know this. And the people at Showtime, the whole crew, didn't mention this once. And it was really, it's like, guys, this is relevant. You should be talking about this. Joe Calzaghe won all the titles at 168, and he did this 10, 15 years ago. Look it up if you don't believe me. He won all the belts. He had the WBO belt for years and defended a million times against mostly B-level opposition. But he eventually unified the belts. And the only reason he didn't hold all of them simultaneously is because he vacated one of them. He vacated the IBF because they wanted him to fight Robert Stieglitz, who was a German-based fighter brought no economic muscle or value, value to the table. And at that time, Calzaghe and the people at HBO said, hey, man, we'd rather do, we'd rather pay you X amount of dollars to fight Peter Manfredo. You got an Italian guy from the UK, an Italian-American. There's the angle there. American fans know Peter Manfredo because he fought in the Contender Series, so he's kind of popular with fight fans there. And this would be a brand-building kind of fight for you. Uh, so he decided to dump the IBF belt and fight Peter Manfredo. I don't think anybody believes that Calzaghe wouldn't have decisively beat Robert Stieglitz. Uh, I can understand why he didn't want to deal with the German promoters and the German commission. At that time, they were seen as very, very shady and, and not very really trustworthy. I think it's gotten much better since then. But the money and everything, and you got to remember, Calzaghe had signed a deal with HBO. He was an HBO guy at that point. And they said, Hey, here's where we want to go with this. And so he went that route. Now, looking back, it's like, yeah, you kind of wish you would have held on to that belt, fought the mandatory, then fought Manfredo. Cause then he could have unified all of the belts. But the point is Kawasaki won all the titles at 68. It has been done before. It's just, he didn't hold them simultaneously because he vacated one of the belts. And that's why uh, guys, I remind you, Sometimes the belt makes the fighter. Sometimes the fighter makes the belt. And it's the five W's, all that matters. And uh, the context, the fine print, these things matter. Um, so Calzaghe, while he didn't hold all the belts at the same time, his run, at least thus far, was more impressive than Canelo's at 68. Now, if Canelo goes on to fight Benavidez, maybe Charlo moves up and fights him at 68. Maybe they do the third Golovkin fight at 68. He reels off three, four more wins like that in this division. Then we're having a different conversation, okay? So a year or two from now, we I might look at this completely differently. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about right now here in 2021. Another super chat from my man Pietro. Thank you so much, brother. Pietro, I ain't seen you on the chat in a while, man. I appreciate it. He goes, uh, I'm back, bro. Taking care of all the trolls out there. Real talk, no bullshit. Keep doing your things, bro. Haters will always hate. Yes, sir. Haters will always do what they do. I see some of you guys on there. It's interesting with Canelo, man. Some of you guys just hate the dude. Some of you guys just love the dude. For some of you out there, he is beyond criticism. For some of you out there, uh, you can't even compliment him once. And it's just the way it is with Floyd. It's just the way it is with Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, there's, there's very few guys like Mike Tyson now is at a point where he is just kind of universally beloved, right? But for a long time, Mike Tyson was a seriously polarizing figure. 
So um, it's just interesting how that works in boxing. But Floyd fighting, again, I'll go back to this, Floyd fighting Canelo when he did, when everyone at that time wanted to see him fight Pacquiao, or so, there were several other guys that fans really wanted to see him fight over Canelo, and he fought Canelo. Floyd had the foresight to see what Canelo was going to become. And he said, this guy's calling me out. He's talking trash. Let me go ahead and fight this dude because 10 years from now, he's going to be seen a certain way. I'm going to go ahead and get this W because this kid ain't ready for this shit. He barely beat Austin Trout. I'm levels above Austin Trout. He ain't ready for this. But when he figures it out, he's going to be dangerous as fuck. So let me go ahead and fight him now. Genius move by Floyd. And by the way, guys, for those of you who would jump to the talking point, but Pacquiao, drug testing, that had all been worked out by that point. Pacquiao had agreed to everything Floyd wanted at that point. He still waited a couple more years, probably three more years to fight him. So um, I'm just saying Floyd doing what he did when he did, that win ages so much better, so much better year after year after year especially with casual fans that don't have the sophistication to understand the business move Floyd made right there. So it's genius. It's next level genius. And I'm telling you right now, they're doing the same thing with Javante Davis. Javante Davis has already beat four time champion Leo Santa Cruz. And you see how that win is being marketed to anyone who actually understands Leo's career you can see the smoke and mirrors there and how that win is really just an okay win. It's not even the best win right now on Davis's resume, but the way that they're branding it and marketing it, it works with people. That's the Floyd genius, man. He's really good at that. And Canelo's learned how to do it too. Canelo moved to 168 so that he doesn't have to deal with the bigger challenges at 160 right now, namely Charlo and Andre. He can beat these B-level guys at 68 unify the division, do it in a year, looks like an absolute Superman, right? He looks like a damn uh, superhero. And now it's in the record books forever. He'll be seen this way with certain fans that want to be fed a certain narrative. So it's genius by Canelo and his team, man. And that's why I say it's a Floyd Mayweather special. That's what this run at 68 is for Canelo. Nigel Hins, what's up, man? Nigel with the super chat. Thank you so much, dog. He says, Calzaghe deserves way more respect from U.S. fans. I agree. For whatever reason, Calzaghe just gets so much hate from American fight fans, and I don't really understand it. You think about it, real quick, real quick tangent here. Joe Calzaghe was undisputed lineal super middleweight champion, right? He had beat everybody. He had won every title. Again, he vacated one of them, but he still won that title. So he was undisputed. He was the guy. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to move to 175 for his first fight, right? At the time, Bernard Hopkins, one of the biggest stars in the sport, was the lineal champ at 75. Calzaghe traveled to America, fought him in America on his terms in his first fight at 75. No tune-up, no Avni Yildirim kind of fights, right? None of that goes right over there and fights him. And then, yeah, the Roy Jones thing, that's a brand-building thing. That's, you know, more of the names associated. But Roy Jones ended up fighting five, six, seven, eight years after that and got some Ws. So I still think that's a solid win on Calzaghe's resume. People just shit on it. 
And I'm like, man, you have this dude that really didn't need those fights. He really didn't need to travel or leave the UK. He could have just stayed over there and fought anybody. Comes over here, fights those guys on their terms in their backyard. He made a shitload of money doing it. Yeah. But he didn't need to do it. And he was the simultaneous lineal, for, for you lineal bros out there, a lineal super middleweight and light heavyweight champion simultaneously. Uh, so we haven't seen the likes of that in a while. I think Andre Ward may have done that too, though. So I think both Andre Ward gets love from American fight fans. Kazagi doesn't. And I, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of bizarre to me. Torian Falk with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. Says, yo, Mike, I'm just happy to see two undisputed champions in one year. Hell yeah, bro. I think Canelo has maybe two fights at super middleweight before he goes back up to 75. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And I'm with you. That, that is one positive thing. We are seeing more undisputed uh, champions. Now, what I would like to see is undisputed champions where promoters have to work with each other to make it happen. What we're kind of seeing right now is all in-house undisputed champions, which is easy to make. <clears throat> Top ranks done it a few times. Uh, you know, PBC tried to do it at 54 this year, and that got messed up um, because of the scorecards. But um, you don't see people working across the aisle to do undisputed. That's what I want to see. I want to see if we can make that happen. If we can get there, then we really, really got something in this sport. <clears throat> okay. Let me run through this preview real quick as I lose my voice. We've got a bunch of you guys on hold already. Oh, man. Okay. This Friday, November 12th, there's a Frank Warren card from London on BT Sport. For those of you in the UK, uh, David Adelaide, 7-0, uh, 24 years old from London, undefeated heavyweight. He's on that card. Nigerian parents, but he was born in London. So um, it, it's going to be fun to watch his development in the sport. Saturday, November 13th, uh, ESPN Plus picked up a card from MTK Global from the UK. Not the best card, but you can check it out. It's kind of like that Frank Warren card. Uh, but we've got a few competing cards uh, from Sheffield, England on the zone, matching boxing on the zone. Kid Galahad going up against Kiko Martinez for Galahad's IBF featherweight title. And then uh, Terry Harper, as I talked about earlier in the show, Terry Harper with a tough defense here. This is going to be a real tough fight for her going up against Alicia Bumgardner, who's ripped, really super beautiful girl, ripped, and she can fight. So this will be an interesting one to watch. Uh, this is, of course, for Harper's WBC uh, junior lightweight title. And then here in America, we have two cards. Let's start in Arizona. TGB Promotions at the Footprint Center in Phoenix. PBC on Showtime. The Benavidez brothers fighting Jose Benavidez Jr., fighting Francisco Emmanuel Torres, uh, junior middleweights, 10 rounds. And David Benavidez fighting Kyron Davis, 12 rounds, super middleweights. Uh, Davis, of course, is the replacement for Jose Uzcategui, who tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Let's see. Um, Davis, uh, I'm sorry, uh, David had a draw with Anthony Durrell earlier this year. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Tyrone Davis had a draw with Anthony Durrell earlier this year. That's how a lot of you guys might remember his name. And then he had a loss to Patrick Day back in 2018. You guys remember Patrick Day, who tragically lost his life from injuries suffered in the ring. I was ringside for that. One of those experiences that um, just has stayed with me and probably always will. Anaheim, California at the Honda Center. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions on the zone. To me, this is the best card of the weekend. 
particularly with the main event. But uh, Komain, Alexis Rocha going up against Giovannis Barraza, 10 rounds welterweights. Uh, that'll be a pr- pretty fun scrap. But then the main event, man, Jaime Mulguia versus Gabriel Rosado, 12 rounds middleweights. Rosado's last fight was at 68, so he's moving back down as an older guy. I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the right move. We'll find out. But that's going to be a fun fight. So if I was going to watch any of these live, I'm telling you right now, watch that Golden Boy card. Watch Jaime Munguia versus Gabriel Rosado. That is going to be a fun fight. And as long as Rosado doesn't have any issues making weight, as long as he's comfortable, healthy, on weight, um, and not drained, or you know, he has his, he, he has full strength, this is going to be highly competitive because Rosado has been in there with everybody. He's one of those fighters that just truly isn't afraid to fight anybody. And Munguia, there's still a lot of questions. So this is really good matchmaking. I can't wait to see this one, man. It will deliver in terms of action. Faux show. It will deliver. All right. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything in the chat before we start taking these calls, man. So I could give my voice box a break. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, you're 50 minutes in. Okay, cool. Cool. See, I got through my spiel in less than an hour. For those of you who just got on the chat, once again, I say, make sure you punch that thumbs up button, man. We've only had 60 thumbs up. There's hundreds of people watching. Click the damn thumbs up, all right? A few of you haters click the thumbs down. Cool. The thumbs down help too. Just click one of them, preferably the thumbs up. All right, guys, let's jump to the phones. And we're going to start with 619. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's up, Michael? It's Juan Valverde from San Diego. How are you? San Diego in the house. What's up, Juan? You hear me? Yeah, man. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk a, a little bit about Canelo. Um, specifically, I was uh, listening, uh, and I, I, I tweeted yesterday to your I, I uh, made a comment there about the top five uh, super middleweights, and I was I was thinking about how underrated James Tony's record is. If you remember, and and I was, you know. I was already watching boxing back then when that was happening. Like he beat Michael Nunes, he went up to super middleweight. By that point, by the time he fought Roy Jones, he was the number one pound for pound on the ranks. Okay, and Roy Jones was number two. So when they fought, I was number one versus number two. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that they don't remember that. Yeah. And uh, James Tony had beaten uh, Prince Charles Williams, and then and whoever remembers that knockout is a picture perfect knockout in the twelfth round. Prince Charles Williams was a long-running champ, like a really solid champ. And James Tony also won the title from Ryan Barks, who was a beast at that point, too. He also had that fight with Tim Littles, which was amazing. He fought eight times at super middleweight by the time he fought Roy Jones. So when you really think about it, his record's not that bad. And any of those wins against the Prince Charles Williams win alone is better than anything Canelo has done. Mm-hmm. If, if, if guys remember that dude, that guy was a solid fighter, way better than Count Smith, way better than Caleb Plant, way better than uh, that other dude, what's his name, uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Mm-hmm. All these guys are basically rookies that have titles. That's what they are. Yeah. And whoever's been watching watching for a while, they know that these guys were handed those belts. They were positioned at a time when that division was weak, and they happened to run into those belts, and they got lucky. And now they were, they managed to score a lottery ticket against Canelo when he wanted that division. So we have to keep it real. Canelo's a great fighter, don't get me wrong, but this unification was pretty much something that he, he knew he could do. 
It was an easy thing. Why didn't he do that at middle? Right. Why didn't he do that at light heavy? Right. Because it was both more difficult. Let's be honest. Exactly. But he knew he could do it. And, my, my, you know, he did it. That's the main thing. Most of these guys never do it. So he did it. All the credit to him. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. People are just already crowning him as the best Mexican fighter ever in super middle. Dude, we have to remember, Canelo has never, ever won the big one. Like, convincingly. He doesn't have that signature win yet. That Triple G fight, both of them were questionable. And whoever says they're not, they're just fanboys. Yep. Anybody who's, like, sitting down and just watching knows both of those fights could have gone to Triple G. And everybody knows the first one, at least the first one, he did not win. He does not have that Pacquiao win like Marcus has or, or the Chavez-Taylor fight. He doesn't have a fight like that that kind of boggles the imagination. Everybody goes like, whoa, that's, that's the win, man. He doesn't have yeah. And that's what's missing in his record to, to catapult him to, to greatness, in my opinion. He's getting there. He probably will have it. But right now, it's not there yet. And also, another thing that I tweeted uh, on your, one of your tweets is that people tend to start ranking guys before the career finishes. Yeah. And it all sounds great when these guys are on their prime. They look unbeatable. But once you see them lose once, and, or once something happens, all oh, everything falls, falls over. Remember Roy Jones? When Roy Jones was in his prime, they were saying he was better than Sugar Ray Robinson. They were saying he was the best ever. Once uh, Tarver knocked him out, ooh, overrated. Now right. years have passed. We managed to kind of settle down. And now we know his decision. He's a great fighter. He was one of the best ever. He was a talent unlike any I have seen in my 35 years watching boxing. But we have, we have to wait until the career kind of finishes. And, and, and then we see what other fighters do because we don't know what Caleb Plant's going to do. We don't know if that guy's going to grow from this and become a better fighter. He might. Right. He has talent. But we don't know. We don't know what talent Smith's going to do. We don't know what these guys are going to end up doing. As of right now, all these guys are beginners that are starting to kind of learn. And Canelo's way over what they're doing. Now, that's one of the things I wanted to cover. The second thing I wanted to cover with you is, is the, the actual fight itself. I thought, I just saw it today. I didn't watch it uh, Saturday. I, I thought that the fight, the Caleb Plant's performance was overrated. I thought he did not, he was not competitive in my opinion. He was throwing a lot of punches that were missing or were just flat. And I think Canelo lost, quote unquote, those rounds because he was learning what he was doing. He was actually kind of scanning him those rounds. And yeah. that happens with a lot of experienced fighters when they're fighting uh, lesser experienced guys. They let them win a couple of rounds to just show them their tricks. Then by the fourth round, you could see it. You could see the turnaround. You could see how Canelo figured him out. And from that point on, I couldn't find a round to give him. Yeah, he was just, you know, defensive and slick. And, you know, those kind of boxers make other boxers, you know, for, you know, look a little bit bad, but that's the nature of their style. But that doesn't mean he was being, you know, successful with his was as a or scoring, let's let's say it that way. Right. To me, it was a eight to two fight, seven to three at the most. If you want to give him credit, and the knockout came the moment it came. My brother texted me like at the sound round, "Hey, dude, it's a matter of time. He's gonna knock him out." I'm like, "Really? Everybody's saying it's close." No, dude, still see. He's gonna knock him out any minute, and boom, he gets knocked out. And uh, and finally, the, the other thing I wanted to tell you, and and, and I, I wrote to Dougie this weekend, and we've been talking about this for years. These kids today that are have 15, 16, 17 fights and are uber talented and whatever, the reason I've always said that these guys couldn't beat old timers is because they lack the experience. And you can see it this weekend. Canelo is basically an old time fighter with 60 fights, fighting a very talented guy like Caleb. And what happens? Caleb ends up losing because he lacks the experience. 
by the fourth round, he ran out of ideas because he never faced a guy like him. He doesn't have enough fights to. Juan, let me let me ask you this. And, and Sorry to interrupt, but because no. I think you're making an outstanding no, no, no. point. Is it not any different than when Floyd beat Canelo? It's the same thing, right? It, it, it's the same thing because the, the guy didn't have the experience to. He didn't have the experience. Him out and, and Floyd, even though, yeah, Floyd, Floyd knew what to do. He had seen it all. You know, like in this case, Caleb Plant is a very like a, 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 a you know a, a B side like a B version of Floyd. He fights the same kind of side like like uh, the shoulder roll and all that. You know, Canelo has seen that before, not right. once, not twice, three or four times, and he's seen it. He's seen the best ever to ever do that style. Uh, do it. What's Caleb going to bring? He has to have something extra, and he doesn't have it because he's never faced anybody. And that brings me to David Benavides. I was looking, trying to figure out which one of these guys can actually give a fight to tomorrow. And I was looking at his record, and I was like, this guy doesn't have anything there to completely split, leads me to believe that he can be competitive. His biggest I completely fight agree. Darrell? <laughs> but is that going to prepare you for the Super Bowl of boxing? Exactly. Never. That guy's not going to beat him. So, exactly. Guys, if you think if you think these guys are prepared, they're they're not as good as you think they are, or at least they're not there yet. They're talented, but they need to fight more. And that's what these guys like. Here's another example: Inoue. Inoue is a great fighter, but he only has like 16 fights. What happened the moment he faced an experienced guy like Nonita? He went through. That's hell. why I told he everybody. Like it. I told everybody that uh, Donaire was going to give Inoue a really tough fight, and everyone thought he was just going to plow right through Nonito. And they're like, Montero, you're Nostradamus. So I'm like, no, one guy had experience. One guy didn't. That's all it was. Exactly. That's it. And, and remember, another fight, another fight I was remembering like that from the past was uh, when Eric Morales fought uh, Saragoza when he won the title. Mm-hmm. Morales was already a very talented guy. The other guy was a little bit over the hill. But he didn't have the experience. And he struggled to beat him. But he eventually knocked him out. But I can tell you this. If Nonito and, and Noah fight again, I can guarantee you and Noah will close him out now. Yeah, because now he knows how to deal with him. Yeah, same thing with Morales. If he had fought Saragossa again, he would probably blow him out in three, four rounds. Because now he knows he's already confident. He he had that experience. Now he's he's grown as a fighter, and that's what these kids need to learn. That's why I'm never giving uh, Lomachenko that much credit. Because yes, he's very talented, but very few fights. He needs more, more. You get a guy that is equally talented as him with 50 fights, he's gonna lose. Hmm. Because the other guy has more experience. He's just going to beat him on experience. Hmm. And that way, when he faced uh, Lopez, he, he found himself like, what the hell? What, what's this guy? He hadn't, he hadn't faced anything like that. And, and that's the lack of fight uh, to kind of get experience. For as much talent as you have, there's always going to be this guy that is as talented as you and has a little bit more experience or has something you haven't seen. And that's when it gets difficult. That's why activity matters. It activity matters. matters more yeah. than so that's all I had, Michael. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot, Juan. Good shit, man. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, jump to this next call. Yeah. Great stuff from Juan. Uh, that's that's just spot on. And what I think a lot of people don't understand, you could have some fighters that have a ton of fights, but not much experience because of who they fought. And then you can have other fighters who only got a handful of fights, but they got better experience because they fought better fighters. So an example, he brought up Lomachenko. I, I should have asked him this because Lomachenko versus Gary Russell. I want to say that was Loma's third fight and Gary Russell had like 20 something fights. What happened in that fight? Even though Russell had 20 something fights, he didn't have 20 something fights against top level opposition. And that's why I go back to the Mayweather and Canelo example. Uh, Canelo had like 40 fights, but look at the guys he had fought. 
He had fought one elite level fighter in their prime, and that was Austin Trout. And he barely won. I thought he won that fight, but he barely won. And does that prepare you for Floyd Mayweather? For Caleb Plant, does Jose Uscategui prepare you for Canelo Alvarez? And that's why I say Canelo learned so much about the business in that fight with Floyd that he's taken with him. And he's basically Floyd Mayweathering all these guys at 168. And I give him credit, as Juan said, he did the damn thing. He's got the accomplishment. He's got the trophy. But let's be real about who he beat and where they're at in their careers when he beat them. Those things matter. All right, back to the phones we go. We're going to go to 773. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I'm glad Juan came on and kept it real regarding the Canelo fights against the um, inexperienced, overrated fighter. You look at Callum Smith and Leo Saunders. They are typical overrated English fighters. It's just it's all there is to it. They try to hype up. Oh, he's got a ring belt. Oh, he beat the Super Series. He won the Super Series. He beat an over-the-hill George Grove to retire shortly after to win that. He got walked down and beat up by John Ryder. In my opinion, mm. he lost that fight. When Canelo uh, saw John Ryder walk him down and beat him up like that, that's easy work. He could walk him down and beat him up. Imagine what I do to him. And that's exactly what happened. Billy Joe Saunders, this dude was coming off suspension. They gifted him a title. It was just really bizarre. He, he looked really bad in that one fight against that dude. He managed to get a late knockout. Um, he wasn't looking impressive. He's another overrated English fighter. And Caleb Plant, he, like you said, he's, he's just inexperienced. He's got 21 fights. Canelo has 38 knockouts. He did his double the knockouts this dude has fight, and he just wasn't ready for the level of competition. I did say, though, that Caleb Plant will put up the best fight. Yeah. He said he put up the best fight amongst the three, and he did. He made uh, Canelo look the sloppiest kind of coming in. I just think Caleb Plant was focused too much on defense, didn't make him pay. But, um, yeah, that was my point regarding Canelo. There's the same people who said, uh, Caleb Plant's resume is trash. Look, he's beat nobody. All uh, Jose Kostaki. Look at he, he just coming. He got knocked out of that fight. The same people saying that are now saying that what a great win! Oh, he unified. He beat him. Look at he's a king. You can't have it both ways. They do the same thing with Tyson Fury. They, they were dumping on Wilder, saying how oh, Wilder's trash. Look at he's got no technique. This and that. But that was very beat them. They want to go and say, oh, I want a big one. He's the king of heavyweights, this and that. You can't have it both ways. And that's my point. I'm glad you brought up Josh Taylor. You look at his unification. He went to elite world-class opposition. Regis Prograde, um, Jose Ramirez. Those two wins alone are better than Canelo's last six, seven wins. I mean, I feel like Triple G was his last real elite level opponent. Yeah, me too. Um, Usyk. Usyk's another another guy. Who, look at who he's fought. Gassiev, um, Breedis, Huck. These are all world-class opponents. I just don't see Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, get the finest world-class. They managed to get titles in the weak division. I just didn't see... Um, so I, don't, I think Usyk is pound, pound number one right now. I don't see... 
And I don't think anybody could deny that. But Canelo, he's got the he's got the hype behind him. He's got the media machine behind him. They're building him up. Oh my gosh, this and that. So there's no denying he's going to be ranked number one in most most lists. But I still think you look at resumes, you dissect them. Ooh, Josh Taylor, Lee competition, what they did to unify the division. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I well, I don't know if you listened earlier. I think Taylor's one forty unification was more impressive than Canelo's at sixty eight. I think the same thing about Usyk too. The division they cleaned out and how they did it, fighting on the road where they had the disadvantages, um, mostly on the road for Taylor, and then all on the road for Usyk. I think that's more impressive, and they just beat better fighters than Canelo beat. I would say, though, right now, if somebody has Canelo rated number one pound for pound, I wouldn't argue that, man, because he's carrying the sport. Now, it might be Usyk. It might be him, but Usyk hasn't been very active, and I do give Canelo credit for fighting four times within a year. I think activity uh, should be applauded, so I I do give him that credit, Um, but it's really it's between those guys right now. I I think Canelo, Usyk, um, and maybe Inoue, but Inoue hasn't been very active. So maybe it's just it's between those two guys, and then it's everybody else. But I hear what I hear what you're saying, brother. But regarding your reason he's able to fight so much is because the level of competition isn't there. Like you saw when he fought Triple G. Yeah, he was out for year and a half. I agree with you, but but how many fighters? Because like, uh, Kevin, this is Kevin, right? Everyone in the chat saying this is Kevin. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I you don't have a caller ID, but um, I was going to say, uh, what the hell was going to say? Oh, there's a lot of guys out there that don't have good opposition that they're fighting and they're still only fighting once or twice a year. So at least Canelo fought four times. And let's be real. Three of the guys he fought while well, I'm not calling them future hall of famers. Three of the guys he fought did have world titles. Were they B level fighters? Yes. Were they unproven? I, I like the way Juan worded it. He said they were rookies with titles. That's the way I kind of see it. But at least he didn't. it didn't take him three years to do this, dude. Because you know with most of these fighters, it would have taken him two or three years. Canelo at least did it in a year. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, he, I still put like a Usyk at one over Joshua is better than those three wins. Of course, I completely agree. No, I completely agree. It's light years better, dude. It's not even on the same stratosphere. Light years better. So that's what I'm saying. The activity versus the level of competition. I always say level of competition. But I'll leave you to it. Hopefully the chat's crying. (laughs) All right, man. Have a good one, bro. All right. All right, peace. Okay, let's uh, keep it. Let's keep it rolling with the phones, man. Three, four, seven. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's going on, brother? Um, you know everybody is talking about the the um, Canelo and Floyd match. The thing was, Canelo may have been an experience or whatever, but that he realized from that fight that that wasn't his weight that he was comfortable at. I mean, Canelo was comfortable. Floyd wasn't going to fight him at 154, 160, or 168. So Canelo came down to 147 to fight Floyd and went at a weight class that Floyd fought. And, like, you know, I disagree with people that really have any respect for Mayweather 
Like, I mean, he does have skills, but his oppositions that he fought, it's just not, you know, either they were over the hill or they were just, like, when he, when Toy first came out, what do you that, uh, one, I think, uh, 135. I mean, 130. None of those, 130, okay, 130, and that's even, none of those fighters are Hall of Famers, none, nobody even remembers those fighters, really. You know what I mean? Floyd, if anything, Floyd ruined the sport of boxing. He's my most hated athlete. I, I don't like him. Like, I, I like, I, I don't know. He's arrogant and, and just like, I, I just don't like, I mean, he ruined the sport of boxing. He has it so that's why fighters are ducking each other, not trying to get an O on their record because they believe that that's a way to, you know, to, to market. You know what I mean? Um, now Canelo, I believe Canelo went to 168 and he found a weight that you know he's he's comfortable at. You know, 160, 168, even 154. But you know, um, you know that win versus Plant. I mean, that that fight pretty much went exactly how I thought it was going to go. I thought Plant was going to stay on the outside, box Canelo. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised at anything that happened at all. I mean, Plant, he's, you know, I think that he's worthy to be in, you know, uh, 168. I'm not going to call the kid a nobody, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, so that's my call, brother. Um, great show, you know what I mean? But, you know. Who, who am I talking I to, bro? I didn't, I didn't catch your name, man. Oh, my name is Rock. R-A-H, brother. R-A-H. All right, all right. I just wanted to make sure I got your name, Yeah, bro. so. Yeah, no doubt, bro. And um, you know, great show, very professional. And um, you know, again, I I just don't see how you know boxing enthusiasts like you or, or people that turn into the show could just respect Floyd because Floyd really ruined the sport of boxing that I've been watching for 25 years. I'm a young man. I mean, you know, um, I'm I just came in the, to the sport. Since when when Tyson was reigning supreme, you know what I mean. I, I I don't really remember Tyson's early part when he first saw. But again, if we on Tyson, anybody knows the sport of boxing. Tyson died when Custy Amato died. You yeah, know what I mean. I so, agree. but the fact that you know you know right. So like I mean now Ali, like I used to go back and forth who's better between Tyson and Ali. But Ali is the GOAT because Ali has the greatest resume in boxing. He fought the best opposition. You know what I mean? Tyson's opposition, his key oppositions that he fought, Evander, uh, Lennox, you know, he lost that fight. Now, he was over the hill, but the fact that, you know, I mean, hey, you know, he shouldn't have got in there. I mean, people want to look at that and say he lost that. So, but, um, you know, uh, you know, but again, like, it's just, you know, far as the fight with Canelo and Plant, you know, it, it went how I expected. You know, um, I think Plant is a competitor. I think he's a worthy opponent. I mean, you know, now he's not anybody. I'm saying, oh, you know, Canelo, he beat, you know, he beat Plant. He he, he knocked him out. I'm not going bananas like that. Like Canelo's the, the gold or whatever. But you know, Plant is a is a worthy opponent, though. You know what I mean? Um. But it's just the, the the people that that bring up the Floyd in the in the um you know Canelo fight that that wasn't Canelo's weight, you know what I mean? So that's my call, brother. Great show again, and I'll just uh listen to your feedback. All right, thanks a lot, brother. Peace. Have a good night, man.
Guy, I'll say this. Um, there's a lot of fans out there that agree with Ra when it comes to Floyd. Um, I will add this. Floyd didn't invent the undefeated, you know, protect the O kind of thing. I actually really think that was an HBO creation. I blame HBO boxing for the whole undefeated protect the O stuff. Cause they did that with, um, with Roy Jones, you know, before Floyd was even a thing, Roy Jones for a while had the O and I remember I was young, but I remember, uh, the guys on HBO, Jim Lampley and all them talking about how he's undefeated. He's undefeated. And they were always talking about that. The O, the O. So um, this has been going on for a minute. Now, did Floyd make it worse? Undoubtedly. And, you know, that's where Floyd's cult members will get mad at me and call me a hater. But I don't see how you deny that Floyd didn't make the protecting O manipulating fans, even Max Kellerman, okay, has talked about this. And Max would probably suck Floyd's dick. He probably would if, if he asked him nicely. And even he talked about this, that, uh, you know, that Heyman, Floyd, you know, that that wing, that promotion, that platform successfully manipulates fans into making fights that really they don't want to see but making those fights seem more important and relevant than they really are. Uh, and I kid, Max, I kid. You guys are going to try to start a big beef or something. But no, seriously, I, I'm just saying Max loves Floyd, right? And But he's kept it real talking about him. And, and I think that um, that business aspect of the sport, Floyd did kind of make it worse because he profiteered off that. And Canelo, to a certain extent, is doing the same thing right now. The only difference, the only difference is Canelo just fought four times within a year. If Canelo keeps this up, I don't give a shit if one or two of those fights every year is Avni Yildirim. I really don't care. If he fights four times a year for the next couple of years, that's unprecedented. No one's done that in a long time. Not, not Certainly not the top guy in the sport. So I will give him that credit. All right, back to the phones. I think we got Keith on the line. Keith, what's up, man? Mike, what's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Uh, how's your smoke with pit? Oh, yeah. the fire pit's great, man. Um, man, it's so funny. People were asking, like, Jesus, Mike, it's just a, a smokeless pit. And I'm like, I grew up in the city. I lived in apartments. I never had a fire pit. So I'm excited. I'm excited that now I have a yard for the first time and I have a fire pit. I went outside last night with my wife. And we made a fire and we just sat out there and had a piece of cake and a drink. It was fucking incredible. I've never had nothing like that in my life. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. No, I, I, yeah, I appreciate the excitement. It's awesome. It is, it is a nice <laughs> thing to be able to go in your yard and just yeah. like, you know, drink food, whatever, and just chill by the fire. It's, it's nice. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, just the problem is the callers, everyone else pretty make pretty much make good points. Um, I will say this. Caleb Floyd impressed me to an extent. I honestly just, I was going based off his last fight when he fought Caleb Chirac. And I think after the fourth or fifth round that fight, he was already, you could tell he was visibly gassed or he was, he was, he was kind of getting tired. Yeah. Conditioning was an issue. I actually thought Canelo was going to annihilate him probably come fifth or sixth round. The fight would have been ended or Canelo was at least going to start the onslaught and hurt him just, just because Plant was going to tire out. Um, Plant did a good job of <clears throat> defensively being responsible for the first, you know, first few rounds. I, you know, I, I, you can argue, I would say that he won those first few rounds, but I think 
midway through the point, the fight, and then towards the latter half of it before it ended, Canelo was winning. Um, and it kind of goes down to um, just the essentially just the the PBC diet that these fighters get. They don't fight. They don't fight. You know, a lot of these PBC fighters are just waiting for the big payday, and they're not necessarily getting the the experience necessary to develop as fighters. And it's not just PBC; it's just a lot of fighters nowadays. It's they're they they care more about protecting their record, and they care more about getting those big paydays. When in all actuality, you know, you keep fighting, you keep getting experience, you keep fighting fights and staying busy. It's going to benefit you in the long run as well too. And, I think in boxing as a whole, from a promotional fighter perspective, just the there's too much of a sh- uh, focus on short-term gratification versus yeah. versus the long-term goal, uh, and I think that's a big issue. Um, I'll be completely transparent too. I was a I was kind of more of a Canelo hater for the last few couple of years. I just think he was propped up by Golden Boy, gave him the good fight, um, but after he beat Callum Smith and Billy Joe Sanders. Are they undisputed world champions? No, but I would say that they're solid B-level guys. I was like, all right, he, I, I'm a fan now. I, I'm not a fan boy. I agree with you. He did leave 160 because he has tougher challenges down there, and he saw an opportunity at 168, and he, he took full advantage of it. Um, <clears throat> I also think that, too, that, um, yeah, at 168 pounds, there's really no one that's going to beat him. Uh, David Benavidez, Stylistically, he'll make, he'll make it a competitive fight for a little bit, but he leaves his body open too much. He's going to get probably stopped or beat up. Um, the only person that I can really see hurting, really had that has a good chance, is an archer. But better be similar situation. Doesn't have the fight. It's Dimitri Bivol. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of his style, it's in and out style, fast. He's got pop, and he's he has a decent resume. He fought some good fighters yeah. until um, until his last couple fights. Um, but yeah, I think Camelo's got a lot down. I mean, I will say this too. I mean, Mayweather, yeah, last caller made a good point. He fought Canelo at 152 pounds. Actually, was a catch weight. Um, Mayweather, I think after the, the first Castillo fight or the Castillo fights, he's like, I, he'd rather probably take the the easier road yeah. and beat guys when they're off their prime or out of it, market, make up some whatever BS to promote the fight. And then that's it. Like he, you know, he, he essentially, he, he has all these world champions on his record. He can say that, but when he fought these guys, is that a completely, you know, they weren't at their best. Um, Canelo's doing the same thing too. He has Mosley, he has, you know, he has a who's who's on his record, but they were past his prime. And I'll say this too, and I'm going to get a lot of flack. And I think I mentioned it in my calls. Pacquiao did the same thing too. His run from 135 to 154. <clears throat> David Diaz, not the best fighter in the world. Um, Cotto, catch weight, rehydration clause. Margarito, no, no plastic in the gloves. Wasn't the same fighter, and he fought him at a catch weight. Sweet too. Delahoya shot, Mosley shot. I'll give him Bradley, Marquez, but Pacquiao's slightly overrated. I think that that one is slightly mm-hmm. overrated. But his his run before and on the back end is very impressive. I'll give you. I'll, I'll, I will say that I became a fan of his afterwards as well too. You can't mm-hmm. take that away from him as well, but. Him and Floyd were kind of even in that sense. Um, I mean, Canelo is doing the same thing. Yep. Um, but people, you know, you got to make it, you make a point. He's fought four times. Um, and he just has a media machine behind him, behind him. He's the face of boxing right now. 
Uh, you could definitely argue that Usyk is the number one pass around champion just because of his wins on the road and he just beat Anthony Joshua in England. Canelo was pretty much fighting in his adoptive, his adoptive, you know, Nabat in Las Vegas. So it's 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 a tough call in regards to that. Um, and then with, in regards to Terence Crawford, you make you made a good point. You know, Victor Postal is a kind of underrated win for him, but also that Dominican kid Felix Diaz. Wasn't yeah. the, you know wasn't the bat world beater either, but a solid fighter. And Crawford beat him. He had a majority loss before to I think Lamont Peterson, but I don't know if that was controversial or not. But that was a that was a solid one from as well too. So yeah, I I think Canelo is um, he's a little overrated to an extent. Um, I like to see him fight someone like Bivol, um, to be honest with you. And I think it just comes down to business and. It's unfortunate that the business is, is uh, boxing this way, but I think as fans, we can eventually demand more of it. We just have to be unified. And, and you know, people like the media, they divide us into different, tr- you know, into different bases as far as PBC, Canelo, this and that. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. <clears throat> All right, um, Keith, you got anything else, man? Yeah, we got some more calls. No, that's pretty much it. Okay, brother. Thanks, Thanks a lot, buddy. man. Have a good one. You too. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's go to Nacho. I'm sure Nacho's got some opinions. Nacho, what's up, brother? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Not much. Um, just uh, you know, I'm not gonna touch too much on it because everyone's kind of just said everything pretty much, and it needs to be said. The only thing I'm gonna add about uh, Canelo Plant was I just find it kind of interesting that a lot of these people who are watching the fight, who like you said, were actually saying that Plant was winning. I just found it kind of interesting how none of them were noticing that Canelo, like you said, was kind of measuring him, was kind of like biding his time. And even when Plant was um, thinking that he could stop moving around the ring and plant his feet, and he actually did try to throw more than a jab at Canelo, Canelo was moving his head. He was uh, slipping a lot of those shots. He was parrying a lot of his shots. And I just think sometimes people get caught up with seeing someone throw a punch, but not necessarily uh, making uh, certain that that punch actually landed. I think sometimes people get deceived by the fact that someone just throws a, a flurry of shots, but then none of those shots actually land on the target. So, you know, I think some people fell for that and they really genuinely thought in their heads that, Plant might be winning, but to be honest, I never had Plant winning that fight. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he figured him out somewhat early, and he just basically took over from, to me, the fifth round on. He just took over and broke him down slowly. Um, the one thing he did do differently, seeing the shoulder roll now versus what when Floyd did it to him, the biggest difference was Mike. He didn't headhunt the entire time like he did against Mayweather. He actually decided, you know what, I can't hit this guy to the head. Um, at all right now, so I'm just going to tee off on his arms, his uh, you know stomach. I'm going to just hit anything other than his head because he's not giving me his head. I have to be able to hit him somewhere else in order to slow him down. And I think that's the biggest difference he learned between now and then is that he knows uh, what to do against that style versus back then where he was just kind of impatient and he wasn't really you know, ready uh, for the for the style that was uh, put in front of him. And then, uh, I mean, the undercard, I, I don't know what to say, Mike. Those fights, 
The only good thing about them was that two of them ended in knockouts <laughs> and they got over yeah. uh, early. That's pretty much all I can say. Uh, Vargas was just, it was tough to watch that fight. I mean, he's just, he's just not entertaining. He, he's just a guy to me. And it's going to be really interesting to see what PBC thinks they can do better than Golden Boy did because um, I, I'm not so sure that they can do much better than, than what they did with him when he was on, on their roster. Um, someone brought up Durrell, uh, saying that he wanted a shot. Please, I hope that if Canelo does fight somebody like him, I hope it's like the last fight of the year after he takes on like Benavides or Charlo or just somebody with a bigger name. I don't want to see Anthony Durrell be the next guy. Um, he's not deserving of a fight right now. Beating a guy like Marcos Hernandez, who's a journeyman at best shouldn't get you a shot at Canelo, in my opinion, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, just really quick, I just wanted to touch on the, the cards you mentioned for this weekend. Galahad is a hell of a of, of a talent, but Kiko Martinez, I mean, come on, like, what, are they really going to start, like, giving him like these soft defenses instead of him trying to take on some more legit competition? Kiko Martinez has been uh, done for a while. And it yeah. seems like they just keep putting him out there just to, you know, use him as a retread. So I'm not looking forward to that. The one fight I am looking forward to is the Munguia Rosado because I think Munguia has been improving every fight since uh, Eric Morales came into the picture. And I think a lot of people are kind of still thinking that Munguia is the same guy that he was at 154, at 160. And he's really not. He's gotten a lot better as every fight has progressed. And I think he's going to show that against uh, Rosado this weekend. I think he's going to end up taking him out, and he's going to do it in pretty uh, emphatic fashion. And then we'll see We'll see what other excuses people come up for um, Mungia as far as, like, you know, oh, he's overrated, or oh, he's this, or oh, he's that. Like, you know, just like you're never going to make everybody happy, so he's just got to keep – Nacho. Oh, man. Nacho, your phone went out, brother. Oh, yeah, Mike. Oh, we got you back. Oh, we got you back. So he was knocked down, yeah. but he got up. He beat Mike. the count. What's up, Nacho? <laughs> Mike, I just was saying that's my call. Like, the oh, okay. All right. Well, last thing I wanted to perfect do. timing, yeah. man. All right, All man. Right. Good yeah, stuff, brother. No problem. All right. All Thanks. Right. Yeah. Hey, look, I'll, if, if Mugia wins impressively against Rosado. I'll be impressed. Again, the only thing, um, did I just say if he wins impressively, I'll be impressed. I think I really just said that. Jesus Christ. I must be tired. If he wins emphatically, I'll be impressed. How about that? <laughs> Much better. Um, I, I just want to see if Rosado makes weight comfortably and he looks healthy. If he's a hundred percent for this fight, if Mogia beats him decisively. Yeah, man, I, I will be impressed. Okay. Uh, a couple more calls, guys, and then we got to wrap it up, man. Uh, 570, you're on the show. Let's go. I think this is Thad, right? Yeah, Mike, thanks. Um, the reason why I'm calling is because you hit on the fact with uh, Alvarez versus Mayweather at a catch weight. And I want to read this to you from the USA Today, the lead, the, the lead up to the week of the fight, and another source from All Access, the quotes from Mayweather and Canelo, because it's significant. The first article, USA Today, Canelo Alvarez. Floyd Mayweather team forced catch weight. And one of the highlights, it, it says, 
Floyd's quote, you're always going to put your opposition at a disadvantage if you can, said Mayweather, CEO. Another uh, excerpt was from Canelo, how he says, I'll tell you the truth of what happened regarding the weight. Why would I give up the weight? I'm at 154. I'm the 154-pound champion. I wouldn't do that. But when the fight negotiation started, they wanted me to go to 147. I said, that's physically impossible. I couldn't do it. Then they inched up to 150. I said, I can't do it. That's impossible. Those days are over. I can't make that weight anymore. I've grown. And this is in 2013. Then they went up to 151. And then finally, so we can make the fight, I said, if anything, I'll give up two pounds. I'll go up to 152. I agreed to that. Then they tried to force me to be quiet and not to mention anything that they came up with the weight of 152. And that's why I haven't said anything until now. Okay. They said we're, we're idiots. We were stupid that we were the ones that want to catch weight. Mayweather promotion CEO Ellibri said it was simply the A-side fighter getting the upside over the B-side fighter. Mayweather usually fights at 47. We took advantage of this situation. It's no different from basketball, football, and other sports. Okay, so that's the USA Today article. Now, there's another separate article by Jesse Holland on September 13th, 2013 at 11.02 a.m. The headline says, we set you up. Mayweather boasts about catch weight. Canelo reveals rejected fight day weight limit clause. One of the highlights, um, according to this, is something Mayweather said on All Access, the lead up to the fight on that video that they did. On Showtime, I'll drop to 150 for Floyd Mayweather. That's what you said, Canelo. We set you up. His team was the, or the dumb team. But guess what? We're the smart ones. We built him up. We put him on the undercard. Build him up, make him into something he's really not, and just beat him. He doesn't, he doesn't think I know he's been wearing that. I'll drop to 150. Um, it gets a little mixed up here. Um, but it goes on to say, I'll drop to 150 for Floyd Mayweather. That's what you said, Canelo. We set you up. Oh, that's a repeat. Um, oh, here, here's where it continues. He's been wearing that plastic for the last two days. That's a, a quote from Mayweather. He ain't eat no food in two days. I'm eating some pizza tonight. That's a quote from Mayweather. Sorry about the English. Um, that, can, that, can, you forward that to me? From, can you send me that article? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tweet that out. Yeah, I'll do it on the... Uh, yeah, on the uh, the Facebook uh, Messenger, okay. I'll send them right over to you. These are highlighted, but these are articles you could go to, Mike. It's they're still printed on uh, digital. You could just type it in Google and go to it. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll send you the uh, the reprints that I have. Okay. So this is significant in the fact that these are quotes by Mayweather and Canelo. It explains the whole situation. But we were led to believe that Canelo wanted one fifty two, and I knew that was ridiculous back in the pay per view. I said, well, why would he want that? It's, that's bullcrap. But Mayweather, they twisted it to make it look that way to trick the casual fans like they do with Tank Davis. The they trick the media. Ellerby says, most of the media believes that. Fan. They don't know. They, they trick the media because most that's of the ridiculous. American press thinks that Canelo wanted that catch weight. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see okay. that. <laughs> well, Mike, um, I've been holding this for the longest time and trying to tell people, but you know, like they they oh, you hate Mayweather because of this, this, and this. That's yeah. how they discount you. But I'm I'm shocked that the media, they don't even follow up on, on sources that are out there. They just yeah. want to run with the narrative, and that's a scary thing. Because, you know, leading up to that pay-per-view, that was like $80. 
And I knew, I said, Floyd, uh, Floyd's got him starched at 52. This isn't going to be competitive. Why buy it? And, it, you know, this is, this is boxing. This is how Ellerby is telling them to press what they're doing with Tank Davis. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. They know the public is stupid. Well, to most of the public, they'll buy this stuff up. They'll believe the narrative, five-time champion. Mm. He beat Leo Santa Cruz. But they don't look at the fine print, like you said earlier. Hmm. And this is, this is why the good people in boxing, like yourself and some of the other media, Steve Kim, you know, Rick Laser, all these guys who are, are honest boxing insiders, you know, they got to educate the, the boxing public because that way, now there's not that con out there where they're selling this snake oil type of fight where it, it's just a money grab. Maybe boxing can go back to being legit and the best fight the best. But until this stuff comes out and aired out for people to see the real reasons why these fights get made and who has the advantage. When Mayweather stated himself, that's how we do it. We make sure we have the advantage. And if that's the case, then that has to be that has to be resolved in history with an asterisk to say, well, in this fight, Mayweather fought Canelo fifty two weight drained him. And then same for Canelo. Canelo fought Lara at 55. He fought a lot of those guys at 55. Those weren't title defenses at junior middleweight. Those were middleweight fights with cash weight. So history has to be amended for facts. And it's unfortunate that, you know, people just want to believe what they're hearing. And like you said with the media, that they believe this, that's sad. That That's really sad. I mean, wow. I should have uh, went for journalism instead of business. Um, you know, it just seems like there's a, a need for honest journalists in the sport of boxing. Maybe Everywhere. even all of sports, but yeah, maybe everywhere. even politics. Yeah, yeah Mike. So uh, I will forward those on to you. Please and do. I really Please hope do. you do a follow-up, maybe with Tim and The Ring magazine, to really get into this. Hmm. Okay. These are cited sources and quotes. Okay. Yeah, I'll look into it, bro. So, so yeah. all right, I'll send them over to you right now on uh, Facebook Messenger. All right, thanks a lot, Dad. And anything else? Oh, one more thing, you can yeah. say after I'm off about Patricia Jarman's uh, scorecard with the uh, the plant fight. How it was uh, inexplicably close. <laughs> I talked okay. about that earlier. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll get to it then. I'll. I, I came to you late, but thanks oh, a lot, okay. Mike. Have a good one. All right, you too, man. Yeah, uh, Patricia was there to protect right. Caleb Plant. That was her whole point of being there. Um, I, I think her having it almost a draw after 10 rounds, she had it 6-4 Canelo, which surprised me. I thought she'd have it 95-95. Um, if Plant had decent, decent output in the 11th and 12th rounds, I think it's very, very possible she scores that fight a draw. And uh, that was not a draw of a fight. Even if Plant won the last two rounds, that was not a draw. All right, one last call, guys, and then we out of here. Isan, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up? What's up? I'm doing good, man. I, Mike, I got to say, man, you know, I love your show, but today some of these calls were ridiculous. You guys, like, it's like we can nitpick anyone's resume. Yeah. But, like, like somebody's saying that, like, Floyd or Manny overrated, like, come on, that's ridiculous. The thing with today is, you know what the issue is? Boxing fans just have less standards been in the past let's just be real like you can't say that Floyd is overrated or Manny's overrated 
like that's that's crazy. Every fighter has fights you can say this guy was not his best or this guy a little older. Like at the end of the day, that's that's not like anybody else's fault. You know, you can't fault somebody for that. Like yeah, context matters, but Canelo, you can't say Canelo was quote unquote too green because Teofimo beat Lo beat Loma. I'm pretty sure no nobody was really giving him much of a chance. He beat Lomachenko. So the age thing has to stop because at the end of the day, Floyd well, was 36 years old and Canelo was 23. Canelo was a lot bigger. And yes, Floyd was more experienced, yeah, but he was on the decline still. I'll, I'll just add this, Issa. I'll just, I got to add this. Floyd was at his best. Not all 23-year-olds are the same. Tiafima Lopez had an extensive amateur career. Top rank signed him right out of the amateurs because he was an amateur phenom, right? Uh, Canelo didn't have that amateur career. And even though they were both 23, I think Tiafima Lopez was way more ready for that fight with Lomachenko than Canelo was for the fight with Floyd. And I think it was evident in just I mean, the way yeah, that they yeah. fought. You know what I'm saying? So I agree with what you're saying. I, I don't think – look, it depends who you talk to. Some people overrate Mayweather. Some people overrate Pacquiao. Some people underrate them. Depends who you talk to. But my thing is people get people get caught up on age. They get caught up on numbers. And it's like, look, man, th there's some Bernard Hopkins at 45 was way better than 99% of fighters are at 45, right? So like age wasn't a factor for him as much as it was for other dudes, you know? It's it's all relative. No, yeah, I, I agree. All that stuff matters. But I just like and don't get me wrong. I think it's ridiculous that whenever Canelo has success doing something, people bring up Floyd. It's really, right. it's, it's annoying and just shows how insecure people are. You're the right. thing is that the Floyd fans of yesterday are still around today and they're just, they're just company shilling for the PBC because that's where Floyd was. And so whenever Canelo beats one of their guys or whatever like happened the other day, it's going to be the exact same thing. If, if Canelo went and fought Charlo, they're going to say, oh, well, he still got beat by Mayweather. If Canelo goes and beats Benavides, they're going to say the exact same thing. It's all just towing the company line. I, I just wanted to say all that real quick, you know, because some of those calls, man, I'm not saying you, but some of the calls <laughs> were saying some crazy things. Like, you got to keep it consistent. You can't praise one guy for one thing, but then when somebody else does the same thing, choose to nitpick. Like, it's just ridiculous. But I was going to say, um, I know I, had, I talked to you a little bit about your top five to the middleweight list. Dude, I think it's pretty like it's pretty solid how it is. Calzaghi, Ward, Roy, Canelo. I think I think that's how you had it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's perfect. Some people were arguing with me about um, Ward being over um, Joe. I was like, that's not possible. It, it doesn't make any sense. Joe beat Kessler when he was a unified champion and undefeated. And people say, well, Ward beat him easier. But okay, but styles make fights. You can't bring that up. It's just a matter of fact. What's better, being a unified champion or having one belt? Because Kessler only had one belt when Ward fought him. And again, he was undefeated when Joe beat him. And they don't want to talk about the title defenses, 21 over 10 years. He beat Eubank in his first title fight. Oh, then yeah. he took Lacey's soul. And, and he, was, he, he was so close to being undefeated. Oh, my God. I can't. If only the IBF didn't screw that up. That's the only time I've had an issue with their mandatory is, is that one time. But I don't think there's really an argument for anyone being over Calzaghi. Also because super middleweight's not like a really like old division at all. It hasn't been around that long. But I just think he did too much work to just have some, some of these guys recently pass him. Like to me it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Especially Canelo's run. 
I'm with you. And, and, and Canelo, again, three years from now, we might we might see it differently, man, because maybe Canelo puts, you know, does four or five more fights against really good fighters and defends his undisputed championship a few times, does something that, you know, these other guys didn't do. Um, then we look at it differently. But right now, I'm with you. You just can't put Canelo above guys like Ward and Calzaghe at this point. I still rate Roy Jones over Canelo because I think him beating – James Tony is just a better win yeah, than any of Canelo's exactly. wins, man. It just is what it is. No, yeah, that's true. And I'll, and even though I, I heavily agree that even though 168 isn't like, it's not a great division, and I don't think it is at all, but Canelo's doing what he's supposed to do. He's beating champions in a, and not taking three years to do it. So I give him praise, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I do agree with saying too in the fact that some people are overrating him by saying he's like the greatest uh, Mexican fighter ever. So I'm like, nah. It's just that boxing fans uh, have settled for less over the past few years, honestly. That's really what it is, in my opinion. Everybody's settling for less nowadays because I think the talent pool isn't as great as it used to be. Not that it's not as great, but there there aren't as many, you know, big-name fighters like in the past era. Like, Manny and Floyd were so lucky to be in the era they were in because you just had an abundance of talent and, you know, Hall of Famers and good names. You don't have that today, but you also have to give Canelo some credit because he's, he's doing what he's supposed to, you know, beating champions. Yeah. Yeah, it is, that era, man, yeah. it, it it's it's past. And with this era, it, things are even more fragmented with the sanctioning bodies and the networks and now the streaming and stuff. So it's harder to get these top dudes to fight each other. If they would, it'd be a great era. But they're just not right now. So yeah, man, it's just it's just a different era. Manny and Floyd, maybe that was the last great era. I don't know. I think so. Uh, I'm only say this one more thing that I'm jump off. I want to leave you with this thought. I think the zone getting pay per view as long as it's not eighty bucks a month. If they if they do pay per view for certain fights, because that's what Eddie said. He doesn't, he doesn't want to do every fight. They want to do just certain fights. It's actually help. It would actually help boxing. Think about this. ESPN, if, if you want to make, like, um, like let's say, if Haney was signed to his own still, and, he, and they wanted to make Lopez versus Haney, you know that they can't do a cross-promotional thing because the zone doesn't do pay-per-view. But if they start doing pay-per-views, they do it, like, let's say, 40 bucks for not all the time, but, you know, for certain fights, like a Teal versus Haney, it actually would help the sport because it'll give Bob a reason to actually make the fight. Because Bob isn't against cross-promotion. It's just that with the zone, it's issues because they don't have pay-per-view. So it's like you either got to send your guy there or you got to go to ESPN. And that's, you know, conflict of interest, obviously. But I think with the zone doing pay-per-view once in a while, it'll actually help the sport make, you know, some fights, actually. Yeah. I agree, man. I think people would gladly pay $40, $50 if they started making those fights. I completely agree with you. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I just wanted to call in real quick for you in the show. It's been a while since I called in. I know, I man. Watched, uh, I heard your voice in a while. To you. Good to hear from you, bro. Know, Have a good man. night, man. It's like I always, yeah, I'm always at work. Usually I'm in class, but I'm always listening, man. Stay safe. Have a good night. You too, bro. All right, guys. There it is. Last call of the night. We're going to wrap it up. Great show, man. I'm losing my voice from all this talking. But uh, I think we got some great points out tonight. And it wasn't hate. It was just straight real talk. That's what we do on this show. That's what separates it from the rest. Guys, uh, make sure you click that thumbs up. Make sure you pay the fee. Remember my fee. 
Tell somebody about the show, man. Spread the word about the show. All right, guys. Have a great night. I'll see you Friday at my channel, Montero Unboxing. Until then, see you at the fights. Peace.